I was skeptical about ordering foundation online. I can't even find a match in stores. Then I discovered Il Maquillage. Their online quiz found my exact shade in seconds. With Try Before You Buy, you can try your full-size shade at home free for 14 days. But I was obsessed on day one. It's so lightweight and natural. It's literally my skin in a bottle. Take the quiz at ilmakiage.com slash quiz. That's I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. So this week I want to talk about Captain Phasma. Now Captain Phasma does have her own run of comics, it was a comic miniseries and it was in the Journey to the Last Jedi run which is essentially books and comics that are released before a film. I spoke last week about Shattered Empire, they did the Journey to the Force Awakens, and this week is the comic for the Journey to the Last Jedi. Now, as well as talking about the comic itself, I did want to also delve into Captain Phasma's history a little bit. So I'm going to be using some of the information that's in the Phasma book that was also released in the Journey to the Last Jedi run of media. So there will be minor spoilers for the book, but I'm not giving too much information about the book because I highly recommend people go check it out. So first of all, just a bit of information about the comic run itself. The writer of the comic series was Kelly Thompson, the artist is Martin Cicchetto, and the colourist is Andreas Mosser. Issue 1 was released on the 6th of September 2017, and the fourth and final issue was released on October 18th, 2017. To confirm this was all out before The Last Jedi, as I said, it's in the journey to The Last Jedi as a sort of plot hole filler in some sense. So what I'll do is I'll discuss the sort of contents of the comic and how it relates to certain other aspects. Then after that, I'm going to do the bio of Captain Phasma, give a bit more information about her and things, and then we'll kind of go from there. So this comic basically picks up where we last saw Captain Phasma. In The Force Awakens, we saw Han and Finn capture her, get her to lower the shields on Starkiller base, and then basically say they're going to chuck her in a garbage chute. So this one follows off of her being in the garbage chute. She basically escapes without too much issue, and then she's in Starkiller base watching things kind of explode all around her. And the first thing she does, she goes over to the data terminal, she wipes any history of her being the one who actually loaded the shields of Starkiller Base, and then she checks to see if anyone saw that data. She finds out that only one person has actually seen the data showing she was the one to lower the shields. It is a First Order officer called Sol Rivers, and she basically decides to track him down. All the while she's doing this, she's taking a log of sort of the final moments of Starkiller Base and what her sort of mission is and that sort of thing. She basically says that she found the traitor, the person who lowered the shields, and is blaming Sol Rivers for it and saying she's basically going to pursue him and bring him to justice. So she basically takes a TIE fighter pilot with her and she pursues Sol Rivers. Um, she ends up going to the planet Luprora and basically she gets there and kills this big monster thing called uh, Adswell if I'm pronouncing that right, and essentially she does that, gains respect from the locals, and then then basically they say to her, oh, Sol Rivers is in this place over here, but he's being held captive by these other beings, essentially. These beings are like monster things, they're kind of called Rora, Um, they're bipedal, so they're kind of humanoid, but they're red, they live in the ocean, they've got big 
giant teeth and they've got two sets of tentacles as well so pretty fearsome beasts and so yeah the Lupra, the people of Luprora are basically fighting with the Rora and getting massacred a lot of the time it seems because a lot of these monsters as well aren't just small humanoids there's also giant sea monsters and things which is one of the things that Phasma killed called the Swell and essentially it's all these indigenous aquatic beings that are fighting these more humanoid beings for the planet. So Phasma gives the big speech, she's riling everyone, all the locals up and things like that, saying, you know, you can take your planet back and all this sort of other things. And then she speaks to the TIE fighter pilot who says, you know, oh, that was really great, you did a fantastic job there. And she was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, you know, you've really given them hope, it's really cool. And she's like, I don't I don't care about these people. I just need them to fight this war to cause to basically so we can slip in and get this traitor Sol Rivers. So that's basically what they do. Um, Phasma and the TIE fighter pilot run in there. They start fighting some of these sort of creatures. Then the locals all come in and then start fighting as well and making it a bit more even. Then Phasma, the TIE fighter pilot, sneak off, essentially. Phasma thinks she sneaks off without the TIE fighter pilot following. Phasma finds Sol Rivers, basically says you need to confess to your crimes. He says, what crime are you talking about? I, I know that you were the one who um, lowers Starkiller base. And as soon as he says that, she shoots him. As soon as she does that, basically the TIE fighter pilot overhears it, so hiding behind a rock and kind of sees it happen, half hears it happen. TIE fighter pilot is freaking out, wants to hide and make sure that Phasma isn't aware she saw it. Phasma goes back to the ship that they got there on. The TIE fighter pilot meets her there, essentially. Phasma doesn't seem to know that the TIE fighter pilot actually saw her witness the murder of Sol Rivers. And when they get back to the ship, essentially, Phasma shoots this little BB unit that had been with them. Uh, There's like a stowaway on the ship. Uh, She kills the TIE fighter pilot as well, saying that she wants no loose ends of any kind. And that's essentially where it ends. I said I didn't want to get into too much detail because the comic is a great read, four-part miniseries, or you can buy the collection now and like one graphic novel set. So I'd really recommend reading it. It's a really cool addition to the character Phasma, who doesn't get enough screen time in The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi. But it's a really good little plot hole filler in a sense of you know how does she get out of not only the garbage chute but also how does she get off Starkiller base as well as you know oh how come she didn't get punished for reducing the shields on Starkiller base well she framed someone else and killed them so and killed anyone who went with her so you can see that how much of a brutal person she is just from that in itself now, just before jumping into Phasma's bio and things, I thought I'd give a few little bits of trivia facts and things about Starkiller Base, as seen in The Force Awakens. Now, a lot of people don't actually know that the Starkiller Base is actually a planet called Ilum. Now, Ilum hasn't come up a huge amount in the sort of bigger canon in the movies or anything like that. But if you've played Jedi Fallen Order, you actually go to Ilum at one point to get a kyber crystal. And also, if you've seen the Clone Wars series, there is an episode or two where Ahsoka and Yoda take a group of Padawans, to Ilum to basically find their kyber crystals. So it's one of those places that the Jedi hold to be sacred. They have caves and caves of loads of crystals and things like that, and the Jedi go in there and do all these things to basically find the kyber crystal for them that then they use for their lightsabers, because kyber crystal is the thing that powers the lightsaber. And after the Clone Wars, after Order 66 happened, basically the Galactic Empire took over Ilum and started harvesting it for its kyber crystals. Because as it says in the film Rogue One, the Galactic Empire are harvesting kyber crystals because they're used to power the Death Star. Another place that they go is called Jeddah in Rogue One. That's the place where you know they're getting the kyber crystals the most. That's where Jyn Erso goes with Cassian and K2SO. So Jeddah is a place where you could have got kyber crystals as well as Ilum before Order 66 and the Galactic Empire took over. 
after it had been harvested and things, it had been left in quite a state, Ilum had, after it had been harvested for the kyber crystals to make the Death Star. And then when the Empire basically kind of died off a bit, the First Order retreated, you know, into the Unknown Regions. The Ilum is in the Unknown Regions. And First Order eventually made a base there. And because of where it had already been harvested and a lot of the crystals had already been taken out of it, it was quite ideal as a planet to be able to sort of terraform further add a huge base and then you know make it into this giant planet super weapon so i'm going to go into the bio of phasma a little bit now as i said there will be some light spoilers for the book phasma but if you read the book phasma there's so much content in there then you're going to be more than happy with what's been said in this because it only sort of scratches the surface of the depth it goes into so I couldn't find the exact birth year of Phasma anywhere, and I, I was pretty certain I didn't know it, and then I looked online a bit more, and it doesn't appear to have been said, so it's anyone's guess. But essentially, she was born on the planet Parnassus. Phasma had a brother called Keldo, who was one year older than her, and she also had two parents. Now, they were in a family one would consider, in a sense, a weak family. They were being terrorised by a group of warriors in a clan. Now, the name of the warriors is spelt S-C-Y-R-E. So it may be pronounced Sire or Skya. I'm going to say Skya. Apology if anyone believes that's incorrect. Please let me know if anyone knows for certain, because I couldn't find online. But yes, these Sky Warriors basically were terrorising the family. They end up killing Phasma and Keldo's mum and dad. And then Phasma basically convinced them to allow them in the group, essentially. Um, as I said, I want to shorten it. If anyone's read the book, you know it's a little bit more complicated than that. But I'm just kind of shortening it for layman's terms, essentially. So they eventually get into this group of warriors called the Sky. Keldo, her brother, is a lot more of a pacifist. He doesn't really want to use violence to solve issues. Whereas Phasma is far more about using violence to solve issues. Eventually, Brendel Hux comes down uh, onto Parnassus. He actually crashes on there. Brendel Hux is actually the dad of General Hux, who is the, you know, pale ginger guy in the First Order that everyone loves. And Brendel crashed there. Phasma finds them and basically helps them locate another ship, helps them get off the planet. And so, in exchange, Brendel says he'll take Phasma off the planet and basically give them a new life because Parnassus is this it had this big nuclear disaster occur and it's basically become like a post-apocalyptic almost like a wasteland sort of thing where it's really hard to find food and water for crops or anything like that it's very hard to grow things it's a very harsh place to live so Phasma wants to get off the planet and eventually she actually ends up betraying her own brother to get off the planet I will say, at the time of Brendel Hux actually crashing on Parnassus, Phasma was the leader of the Sky Warriors, so she's already very much a fearsome warrior, and Brendel Hux was mentioning quite a lot that she he was looking for the, some new warriors to help fight in this army that he's basically sorting out, and she basically wanted it in. So after betraying essentially all her family and things like that, she gets onto the ship with Brendel Hux and meets Armitage Hux, which is Armitage is General Hux from the sequel trilogy. His first name is Armitage. She then slowly became more in charge of the sort of stormtrooper training programs because Brendel Hux was actually instructed to sort out the next era of stormtroopers and start sorting out a lot of the sort of brainwashing stuff that was going on with the children you know collecting them from a young age and kind of training them and things so brendel hux was the one that kind of started doing those sort of things and then captain phasma took it over i will say that general hux and phasma conspired together to actually kill brendel hux general hux's dad so that general hux could get that position of power and that phasma could also rise up to a further position of power basically making it so it was snoke and then below snoke was just kylo ren general hux and captain phasma 
A little thing to add here is that General Hux absolutely hated his dad, Brendel Hux. He was basically a bastard child, so that was already bringing shame upon Hux family. And then Brendel also verbally and physically abused his son, Armitage, for a very long time throughout his childhood. So Armitage slash General Hux basically got his revenge by getting Phasma to kill him and getting rid of any evidence or any evidence they thought of that actually happening. But there's a lot more of detail of that in the Phasma book and things like that. The last thing I'll say about Phasma is actually about her armour. Now, her armour is chrome and obviously out of universe. They probably did it because it just looks really cool to have a stormtrooper with shiny armour. But in universe, it's actually made of chromium. And the interesting thing about this is actually the chromium was made from a salvaging a Naboo yacht that was owned by Palpatine. And so that's quite cool knowing that her armor and serving the First Order, which she made her armor after joining the First Order, which I think is kind of obvious due to it looking like Stormtrooper armor. So she created that from an, a salvaged yacht of Palpatines and the armor plating of that. And when I say yacht, I mean spaceship, like a, an actual proper armor plated craft. And also to add that her cape is made out of armor weave, which armor weave is essentially... As it kind of sounds, there's been metal and things kind of weaved into the cape itself. So it means that it's got a lot of properties that can reduce or prevent blaster fire from causing any damage. There are other examples of this in canon. I think uh, Count Dooku has it, and I think a few other people do have it kind of dotted around. I know in Legends that Darth Vader has it. I don't know if that's been confirmed in canon. It is also worth mentioning that as Phasma was head of training up stormtroopers and things, she was actually one of the people who did train up FN-2187, FN-2187 being Finn of the Resistance. But yeah, that's generally just a bit of information on Captain Phasma from the Phasma book as well as the comic Captain Phasma. I think they go well really together because it shows how Phasma is just completely ruthless, is willing to kill basically anyone who stands in the way of her which her, her core drive is basically survival. And it says it towards the end of this comic where she basically says that's the number one thing, is just survival. And from growing up on a planet like Panassas, which is obviously very hard to live in and very harsh conditions, she obviously had to learn that quite quickly. And then the events throughout her life, kind of every time she needed to make a harsh decision, it did benefit her. And so that explains also why in Starkiller Base, why someone who was so high up was so willing to just lower the shield just for two people instead of, you know, if you're a true martyr you would never do that to them but she's all about survival and self-preservation above all else and this comic shows that a lot more it's a really really good comic it's one of my favorite mini series comics that i've actually read thus far i would say that my favorite is still the rise of kylo ren comic but this one does go very nicely with the sequel trilogy now, I thought I'd give you guys just a little insight on what I've kind of thinking I'm going to do over the next coming weeks. I was thinking of next week doing a double feature of the Storms of Crate one-shot comic and the DJ Most Wanted comic. They both go very nicely with The Last Jedi as well, but they were actually released after The Last Jedi came out. The Storms of Crate is about Luke and Leia basically finding out Crate and how that was, you know, it, they say it was like an old rebel base in The Last Jedi. It basically explains how they found it initially. And DJ Most Wanted is basically a bit more depth to the character of DJ, which is the character in The Last Jedi who had the stutter, played by Benicio Del Toro. And he's basically one, the code breaker. They found him in the jail when there was in Canto Bite. He escaped. They obviously kind of half followed. Then they ran away with Fauna and then him and BB-8 kind of teamed up and saved them. And then he inevitably betrayed them again in The Last Jedi. So I'm going to be going over those two because it kind of 
fits in nicely with Last Jedi, and it's kind of been, you know, last week was the, and the week before was about The Force Awakens, this is about The Last Jedi, and then I was thinking of the week after that doing the Star Wars Allegiance comic, which was actually the journey to The Rise of Skywalker. So it kind of fits in nicely, and then I was thinking of after that doing the Rogue One and Beckett comics, because then it's kind of all the encompassing journey to all the comics that correspond with the main star wars films and then after that i can get into some of the other sort of details of some of the other comic runs and etc now if you guys have any star wars comics or anything like that you really want me to speak about or any events or anything like that that you want me to kind of do a deep dive in please feel free to contact me at star wars comics in canon at outlook.com or you can find me on the social media channels at genuine chit chat that's on twitter instagram and facebook I will say my other podcast is called Genuine Chit Chat, uh, guessing by my uh, social media handles, and essentially it's a weekly podcast, episodes come out on Sundays, and I have a different guest each episode, speaking about a wide range of topics, and over the coming weeks I'm going to be having the guys from Comics Emotion on, I'm going to be having Tony Farina from the Indie Comic Spotlight on, I'm going to have Max Byrne as, um, from the Mandatory Marvel and DC on as well, so lots of people on this Comics Emotion feed, so lots of fun coming up. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. As I said, I'm always open to any feedback and any suggestions for future episodes. Love to hear from you guys. And sharing the show and things is always great. And check out the other shows on the Comics in Motion channel that I have already mentioned. Mandatory Marvel and DC, Indie Comics Spotlight, and the flagship podcast, Comics in Motion. Anyway, guys, thanks again for listening. And may the Force be with you. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Dating was hard enough before an international pandemic. Asking someone to meet me outside is indicative of how they feel. If they're willing to risk it, then they're in love with you. We all crave companionship, love, and intimacy. I feel like I need to make out with my dog just to see if I can remember how to. This podcast is a real-time look at dating with our new normal. This girl's like, I'm so bored, come over right now. I doubt a lot of guys are like, no, sorry, I'm trying to be safe. This is Dating Diaries, Quarantine Confessions. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.